coming up on Unpolished MBA. A suspect is those people that you wish would be your customers. You dream about how great your product would be for them and how awesome it would be for your company to get their business. You know, you admire them from a distance, but you really don't know them. It's like you're admiring that handsome or pretty person across the room that has caught your eye. You think how great they'd be as a date or a companion, but you don't really know them. This show is sponsored by TPM Focus, the strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for new innovations. Head over to tpmfocus.com to learn more. Hello, Unpolished MBAs. Welcome to today's episode with me, your host, Monique Mills, where I'm going to address the elephant in the room for most startups, and that's selling. Selling your new innovation is tough. It's hard. It's the thing that actually gets the business going, gets that flywheel going, gets you earning revenues and closer to product market fit which means it's probably the most important thing outside of actually having a product. But selling is a sore spot for many founders because they don't want to sell their own product. Instead, they want to hire someone to sell and they just want to create, right? And so unfortunately, that's not how it works for most successful startups. And I'm an advocate for founder-led sales for early-stage startups, but it's debatable and depends on many factors as to when the founder should be able to hand things off to a salesperson or a team. But the truth is that most founders start bringing in salespeople way too soon. I was guilty of that, so that's how I know. But also, from working with hundreds of other founders and innovators that have made or are currently making that same mistake, some can't be convinced to turn back and start selling their product themselves. Others have been and have found it to be the best thing they could have done. The key to it is simplifying the sales process for non-sales people. Even if you do have a, a background in sales, and that is your expertise, selling a new product from an unknown startup is a very, very different thing than anything you've ever done. So I'm going to start from the very beginning of let's say, the idea that you have for this business or this innovation, right? So you have this great idea and you think it's something that should be very popular in the market. And then at that point, many times businesses launch this new product and then there are crickets. The market does not respond. And then everyone is wondering why. It's something that's useful, right? It's something that people need or businesses need. You've even talked to people about it. Some people you know personally and other people are complete strangers, but everyone thought it was a great idea. So then why aren't people buying it? So here is the key. You can't build a business off of what you think. I started this off by saying you think it's a great product that you think people need. And in startup sales, you can't just push your product based upon what you think people need. The whole process of building any business, in my opinion, 
The whole process starts with customer empathy and understanding how they do things now and then their journey to improving their situation if they want to or even need to. So we all know that many times things don't change because of our choices to change them. But really, they happen because we have no other choice. Yes, a lot of times we only change things because we're backed up against the wall and now it's a necessity to change it. So you have to start the selling process with that in mind. You have to lead the selling process for your business with empathy and understanding for how they do things now. And you gain that understanding by speaking with them not by pushing your product. So speaking with them is very different from selling to them. You're speaking with them to gain an understanding because as it turns out, how you sell and how people buy are two very different things. It's still just people selling to other people. And I believe that human factor gets lost in our desperation as entrepreneurs to sell our product. And I say our desperation because I've been there. When you're trying to get to product market fit and see if this is something that the market wants, you will go all out to do just that. And it can be a bit much. I had one prospect who turned into a customer, thankfully, but it took multiple DMs, emails, calls, and then finally driving to their office, paying for parking, and then spending over three hours in their offices talking. They poured me wine. And I'm trying to sell my software. I just laugh thinking back to those days because with my tech startup, there was so many lessons learned and deep experience gained from that. Different things work for each, but fundamentally what's the same is that it's people dealing with people. So let's get a few things straight so that we're on the same page as I start this conversation about selling as a startup. I've noticed that many founders, innovators, startup entrepreneurs will say that I have customers in the pipeline or I've had good conversations with the potential customer or I have some customers lined up. And I drilled down to only find out that these were not in fact customers, but suspects or prospects, not even leads. Or I'll hear we have some leads only to find out that they are not really leads at all but prospects. Let's talk about the difference. And as I explain, I'm going to compare it to being single and trying to find the right companion. So I just mentioned the term suspect. A suspect is those people that you wish would be your customers. You dream about how great your product would be for them and how awesome it would be for your company to get their business. You know, you admire them from a distance but you really don't know them. It's like you're admiring that handsome or pretty person across the room that has caught your eye. You think how great they'd be as a date or a companion, but you don't really know them. So let's say your new product is meant to be sold to other businesses, a B2B transaction. So you may even know firmographic information about this target customer that you've picked up from some type of database online or maybe even LinkedIn or something. But again, you don't know them. You don't know what their desires, fears, wants, challenges, and goals are. You just made up some stuff in your mind based upon that top-level research. But you haven't gained any insights from talking to anyone that's 
in the know, that's in a position of influence or decision-making there. And that's the first issue. But there are ways to do this so that you're not continually in the dark about these types of details for people we put in the category as suspects. But let's say someone gives you an indication that they may be interested in something you have by giving you a social media like on a post or visiting your website or following you or your company on social media platforms. That's kind of like them smiling at you in, in this single and dating world, right? They're acknowledging your existence and perhaps there is further conversation to be had in the future, but just not right now. At this point, this is when we internally at TPM Focus, this is the process we use to kind of simplify startup selling for those that are not really salespeople, but founding a company and launching a new innovation. At this point, this is when we label them as a prospect. They've acknowledged your existence, smiled back by doing a social media like or even a follow, and we label them as a prospect at this point because they've given you an indication that, okay, we see you, but you can't go all crazy asking them for their number and trying to get a date, okay? <laughs> Just be happy that they know you exist. Be patient. Also a great time to flaunt how fly you are on those channels that they follow you on so they can see you. Wear your best outfits. Keep it up. And that shouldn't be a problem, right? Because it's actually not an act. It's who you are. You just want them to see it. You want them to see you and what you have to offer and how great you are. So if we compare this to dating, it's like if you never leave the house, that's equivalent to not having a digital presence online a website, activity on the social media channels that they're on. That's equivalent to like never leaving the house in order to find that companion that you're looking for. In the business world, you cannot get access to those prospects, those suspects, those leads that eventually become customers unless you are out there digitally and in the channels that your target customers are. And if they don't see you, even though they've acknowledged you, they've given you a follow, if you don't continue to post and be present, well, pretty soon you'll be forgotten. And again, that sounds a lot like being single and ready to mingle, but not totally going all the way and committed to finding that companion. We're going to take a quick time out and pick back up in just a moment. Robots can do a lot of things, but did you know that there's one that can do all of your writing for you? I call it the writing robot, but the official name is Jarvis AI, and it can literally write entire books, blog posts, emails, Facebook ads, Facebook posts, any kind of social media posts, actually. Video scripts, product descriptions, tweets, the list goes on. And all you have to do is tell Jarvis AI what you want to write and then click a button and it starts generating sentences immediately. You'll be able to write more in one day than you could in a month. But the best part about it is it creates 99% original content, meaning that you'll never have to worry about someone else having the exact same copywriting as you. So anytime I'm trying to figure out what to say and how to say it, I open up Jarvis AI and I just let it go to work. And you can too. You'll never be stuck staring at a blank page again. I promise you. Can a robot write better than you? Well, at this point, I'd have to say yes. 
To test it out yourself, just go to tpmfocus.com forward slash Jarvis. And that's spelled J-A-R-V-I-S. That's tpmfocus.com forward slash Jarvis. Now, a person doesn't actually become a lead until they give you their information. So a lot of founders will say, oh, we have lots of leads. When in reality, what they have is a list of phone numbers that may be a list that they bought from a company. Those people are not leads. A lead is when you know who they are, maybe even just their first name. You know who they are, what they're interested in, and how to contact them. All of these other times founders may be calling someone a lead, they're usually a suspect. You know, if you buy a list, the people on that list are suspects. They're not leads. And buying a list doesn't make people on that list that you bought your leads. Connecting with people on LinkedIn doesn't make those people your leads. Downloading your LinkedIn contacts because you connected with them on LinkedIn and then emailing them does not make those people your leads. If you can see the pattern here, you're doing all the work. You're doing all the chasing. When someone is a lead, you're not doing all the work. There's mutual back and forth. When you start chasing without acknowledgement from the other party and the signal that they want to be in touch with you and the reasons why, it becomes like an episode of Tom and Jerry, okay? And then you start to get mad and frustrated at them When in reality, it's not their fault. They may complete a form, request a demo, call you, email your team with the request to contact them, or even respond to an email or a call that your company has sent or you have sent. And in that response to that email or call, they actually schedule a time to speak. Like that is a lead. And if they are not doing those things, they are not your lead. They may be a lurker on your social media channels, but they are not a lead. And if you start labeling them a lead, you set expectations on them. That actually is not fair. And so when you get mad and frustrated at this becoming a Tom and Jerry episode, again, it's not their fault. It's yours. And if you just change the labeling, it'll help put things into perspective. If you start labeling any of these people a lead when they're not, you get your hopes all up and then That's how you get frustrated and mad at them and you feel led on, no pun intended. So once they're actually a lead and you follow up with them, building a relationship, answering their questions, sharing more helpful information, et cetera, and then they buy from you subsequently, now it's on. This is where we call them a customer, but not before that contract is signed and their check clears. Any time before that, it's not yet a deal. So again, let's compare this to dating. You may have asked them to marry you, you know, sent that proposal out there, but they may not have accepted the ring yet and they have not agreed to seal the deal until then. So that's why I say until that contract is signed and the check clears, they are not your customer. Just went through all these these four steps, these four labels basically you can put on people as they enter into the ecosystem of getting to know about your product, you or what have you. 
And this process of, you know, labeling people as a suspect, a prospect, a lead, and then a customer is really like your process of thinking and helping you be operationally organized. But does that really align with the way your customer buys? Usually it's not. You know, they may come in at any point and actually they might be a lead first. They may never be a suspect. They might be uh, come straight in and just buy, you know. So the way you think about things operationally so that you're organized is typically not the way your customer buys. So this process that we have of thinking things in a linear fashion isn't always the best accurate way to do it when we're considering how a customer actually buys. And this is where startups get tripped up. But I want to let you know that there are really only two ways to generate demand for what you're selling. The first way is go knock on people's doors. And the second way is get people to knock on your door. That's it. The key difference now in this day and age of technology is that there are many forms of knocking on someone's door and someone knocking on your door. We have all types of channels now and ways of communicating. Every business has their way of doing things, and there's no blanket advice for how to do startup sales. However, you can start by getting organized with this basic way of thinking through your process and the people you engage with by using those four simple categories, suspect, prospect, lead, and customer. I conduct training around this with clients, and it's eye-opening because Most of them do not come from a sales background, and they thought selling their innovation would be much easier than their finding. But the truth is, nothing about startups is easy, except dreaming up the ideas. I mean, let's be honest, we can come up with ideas all day long, but the real test is, can you sell it? And that's where most of these great ideas get stalled. So if you're trying to launch something new, or have already launched and not having great success with sales and could use some good strategy to move you forward, feel free to reach out to me and the TPM Focus team by emailing us at consultme at tpmfocus.com. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com. 